Paul McCartney's favorite song, another Disney flop, Kamala's value plummeting, what is really in the new gun bill, menstruating people, and a whole lot more on today's Random Thoughts. Hello and welcome to episode number 192 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we have a lot of ground to cover, a few things that are callbacks, a few new things, some gun control insanity. It has been a hot few days here in Chirac. Not that I go outside. So to be fair, it's been nice and cool in the house, but to celebrate, summer being here i pulled out a brand new beach boys lp set that i picked up five and a half discs which uh, how do you do that well the last disc actually just has a little bit of artwork the beach boys logo engraved on it and i put the first album on yesterday and ended up listening to the whole set all the way through and remembering just how good the beach boys were slash are they're still making music a lot of them mike love is still out there brian wilson is still out there and the harmonies i mean nobody does harmonies better than the beach boys nobody does songs about summer and surfing and cars better than the beach boys but i found a very interesting fact that i don't remember ever seeing talked about anywhere because i mean i do the rock and roll pre-show and if there's birthdays on that day I'll end up playing some music from those artists. And I remember in the past realizing that some of the artists that I really like, very diverse, Taylor Swift, Frank Sinatra, Ted Nugent, and Hank Williams III were all born in December and three days in a row, those three days, the 12th, 13th, and 14th, I think it was. But I had no idea that not only were Paul McCartney and Brian Wilson born during the same calendar week, Paul McCartney born on June 18th, Brian Wilson, June 20th, both born in 1942. And when you adjust for the time change between Liverpool, where Paul was born on the 18th, and Inglewood, California, where Brian Wilson was born on June 20th, they were born less than 48 hours apart. Which seems just mind-blowing to me that these two guys, Paul McCartney and Brian Wilson, who are responsible for a lot of the greatest music ever written and performed, and I thought that was kind of cool that they were born within 48 hours of each other. They had a rivalry back in the 60s, no question about it. The Beach Boys and Beatles were following what the other were doing. They were paying close attention and they wanted to one up each other in a good way that when you hear pet sounds, you go, what do I do now? You know, and then it was Sergeant Pepper and back and forth. Uh, Paul McCartney has said on multiple occasions that the Beach Boy song written by Brian Wilson, of course, God only knows one of his favorite songs of all time. And it's interesting because at the time 
that the Beach Boys released that song, it was controversial to use God in the title of a song. They were actually really worried about it. So it was never released as the A side of a single. It was released as the B side. But as you probably know, it went on to do all right. And Paul McCartney has said it's one of his favorite songs. And in 2002, at a benefit concert, Paul McCartney had the opportunity to go on stage and sing it with Brian Wilson. And the quote from McCartney about this, which came five years later, just makes me like Paul McCartney a little bit more. He says, quote, God Only Knows is one of the few songs that reduces me to tears every time that I hear it. It's really just a love song, but it's brilliantly done. It shows the genius of Brian. I've actually performed it with him, and I'm afraid to say that during the sound check, I broke down. It was just too much to stand there singing this song that does my head in and to stand there singing it with Brian, end quote. I mean, I think that is one of the greatest fanboy moments of all time that here you have Paul McCartney, you know, one of the Beatles that is no stranger to the fame and fortune and no doubt right up there at the top of the list when people think of famous musicians and songwriters, the fact that he was that emotional about getting a chance to sing that particular song with Brian Wilson, somebody that he really had that fanboy crush on that loved what he's doing. I just thought that was really cool that these guys, even though they're at the top of their game and make huge impacts on the rest of society, they're still susceptible to the same things we are, which is you hear the song and it really hits you hard. And I just thought that was pretty cool. And born within 48 hours of each other, and they're still around, and they're both still out there playing, I guess. They, uh, they're doing something right. No question about that. Now, the people that aren't doing something right are the folks over at Disney Pixar. We talked about the last episode of Random Thoughts, the new Buzz Lightyear prequel that was coming out. Well, they had really high hopes for this movie, and uh, it's not performing. I mean, I just can't figure out why it's not performing. I mean, what more do parents want to bring their kids to except a Disney movie with the gay characters kissing on screen? That's uh, just the indoctrination I think most parents are hoping for. And then, you know, those horrible, evil countries that won't even play the movie because of that. Oh, how horrible those people are. But this is the way it should work. We don't need to ban these kinds of movies. Everybody just needs to vote with their dollar. And there's movies that can be made about all sorts of different things. But I think people are really getting fed up with the fact that this is happening in children's movies. This is indoctrination. Really, no sexual content needs to be there in a Disney Pixar Buzz Lightyear movie. And this whole we're going to go woke at every chance that we can to push an agenda every chance we can, just because we can. You know, I'm pretty sure I talked about it here on Random Thoughts. The woman that's in charge of this kind of stuff at Disney was like, oh, we want to make way more gay content. We want to make way more LGBTQ content because that's what we want to push. And, 
you can sell whatever you want, but people are not forced to buy it. And when people speak with their wallets and the funding is just no longer there to make this kind of stuff and push it onto the children, then that will be better for everybody. But that's where you have to stand up. If you want to make a difference when it comes to this kind of stuff, you don't bring your kid to the movie. You don't rent it when it goes on to pay-per-view. Do people still buy Blu-rays? I mean, some people are still buying VHS tapes, but that's because now some of those are worth money. But you don't support it. You find other content that you believe fits your moral values and you play those for your children. And that's how they grow up to be well-adjusted individuals rather than those that are brainwashed by the woke Hollywood leftist mob. But I'm pretty happy to say that the movie's flopping. So there you go, Disney. Maybe you'll learn something, but I doubt it. Elon Musk, in another callback, the board from Twitter has now approved the sale. So everything looks like it is once again moving forward, that Elon is getting closer to taking over the bird site. Whether that means anything is still yet to be seen. It is a positive sign from the fact that he says he wants free speech on Twitter, but we are still a long way from seeing how this is going to play out, seeing what's going to happen with the employees that are there. I mean, if Elon was smart, anybody that has a problem with his view for the company really needs to be weeded out and they need to be weeded out fast because they're a cancer for the company. Anybody working against what you're doing is a bad thing. And a lot of companies are seeing this now, especially with the woke mob, that if you have anybody that's a woke mob anarchist, a woke mob advocate that wants to be more than an employee, they don't want to do their job. They want to go out there and spread a message instead. You have to get rid of them because then they're not doing the job that they were paid for. And people can believe whatever they want. But when you're hired to do a job, you have to do that job. And if you totally disagree with the company and think they're bad, well, then go work somewhere else. But what a lot of these advocates do, they just get into a company and they feel like, oh, I'll make a change from the inside. I'll be subversive. And it really doesn't work. They want to be an activist. They don't want to be an employee. Elon's going to find that out. It's going to take some time, I think, for Twitter to be cleared out. But it would be nice if there was a social media outlet that wasn't woke. And Twitter seems to have a majority of the eyeballs, at least as far as the text message-based social media, which is where you can get into a lot more trouble. I mean, it's hard to be completely non-woke in a photograph that you're posting, but it's a lot easier in text and text it takes some intelligence because people have to be able to understand the words they have to be able to form the meanings of those words they have to also then understand that sarcasm is a thing and not everything is meant to be taken literally i run into that every now and then especially with my buddy comic strip blogger yeah doesn't really translate well. English is like his fourth language or fifth language, so I get it. But if it doesn't translate well that what you're saying, you know, for instance, I'd be like, oh, well, Uncle Vlad, he's going to save the United States. 
no, I don't really mean that. I think a lot of people get the sarcasm, but there are some people that don't. And that is a hard thing to deal with when you're trying to police speech. The only real answer is let everybody say whatever they want and let the chips fall where they may. But we'll see where Elon goes with it. I think it could go well and I think it could go badly. It may not change at all. So overall, I guess we're in a wait and see mindset on that one. Now, Kamala Harris. Oh, my goodness. Kamala is not popular. I mean, we know Joe Biden isn't popular. His numbers are dropping into areas that are pretty amazing as quickly as this is happening. I can't say that we totally predicted that, but we did say that we'd give Joe a chance, but we thought it was going to be a complete and utter train wreck. And the Joe Biden presidency has been a complete and utter train wreck. And he's around if Joe stays alive, if he stays off the bikes, he'll be around for another two and a half years unless he decides to call it a a day and claim health issues and then step down. But then what is the country left with? Well, because Joe Biden in his infinite wisdom decided to pick a vice presidential candidate based strictly on the fact that she was a woman. Well, if you can even say that anymore with a certain amount of pigmentation in her skin, those were the only criteria that leaves us with the person next in line. If Joe Biden becomes unable to fulfill his duty, the person next in line might even be worse than a vegetable Joe Biden. Maybe worse, Kamala Harris. And Joe, well, the polls are saying his approval rating in the toilet, but what about Kamala? Well, even the people in the DNC want nothing to do with Kamala Harris. This is reported by uh, Tara Palmieri on Twitter. She says the DNC is slashing prices. Yeah, get down. Come on down to Big Bob's DNC warehouse. We are slashing prices for a photo with Kamala Harris. There was an event that was due to take place that failed to sell enough tickets at $15,000 apiece for a photograph with Kamala Harris. And now they have a fundraiser. That one was pulled off. That one was canceled. Now they have a fundraiser set. For June in California, you know, that's where she's big. That's where Kamala's got the most fans. A fundraiser in California in June, now charging only $5,000 for a picture with Kamala. So they tried 15. That didn't work. Now they're down to five. I don't know. I mean, I don't want a picture with Kamala Harris. And I understand there's a thing called Photoshop. So if I really wanted a photo with Kamala Harris, I can make it look like I had a photo with Kamala Harris. But the fact is, people don't even want to schmooze with her. They don't want to get up close and personal with Kamala. No $15,000 price tag slashing the prices down to just $5,000. And uh, maybe that one will be canceled, too. I don't know. The Democrats are in bad shape. The Republicans have a little bit of light. Donald Trump may get in the way. 
I still think he can win, but there at least seemed to be a bullpen. If I could use a baseball analogy, there seems to be some people waiting in line now on the Republican side that are a little younger, vibrant, have an idea of what their viewpoint is for the future of America, where the Democrats, I mean, the ones that really pushed, we were going younger and more urban with Barack Obama, have now turned into a party of old white people to the thousandth degree, whatever you'd say, big, lots, old white people, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Feinstein. I mean, this you just go down the list, Hillary. Where are the young, vibrant Democrats? AOC? I mean, she's a loon. She's a socialist. She may not even win her next election. A lot of people think AOC is going to be on The View in about two years and out of politics and making a lot of money for it. But the Democrats don't have the bullpen. They don't have the minor league system, if you will, that the Republicans seem to have. So it's going to be an interesting couple of years with the elections. There are some Republicans that are pissing their base off with this latest gun bill that looks like it's going to make its way at least through the first step where 14 senators did vote yes. And what they voted yes on, I think, is important to look at. A couple of shows ago, I told you what the founders thought about owning weapons and owning guns. So we can take that off the table entirely. The Oh, the founders never knew what they were doing when they put in the right to bear arms. And I made, I think, a pretty compelling case that, yes, they did. So if you can go back to listen to that episode, if you missed it, but this new bill, it is far less severe, far less teeth than things that have been tried to be passed in the past, which is why it did get through and why 14 Republican senators voted for it. And I mean, I don't like the politicking that a lot of people are using with all of the uh, politics lately. In this case, it's, oh, here's a list of the 14 people that voted for this. They're bad. I mean, maybe they are. But in this case, again, I think you have to look at the details, understand what is in the bill. It is concerning. This one line here, which is the vote took place just more than an hour after the Senate negotiators unveiled the text of the bill after weeks of negotiation, which means, yeah, maybe it would have been nice if everybody would have been able to go over this with a fine tooth comb and actually read it. I mean, I know it's like, well, we've been negotiating and this is the result, but maybe, maybe there should be a law that these morons actually have to read the bills that they're putting out there before they sign them. So they can't pretend they're surprised about anything in it. Now, The Hill, which is an internet publication, broke this down with what is in the bill. And it says, quote, it would create a 10 year period during which the National Instant Criminal Background Check System would be required to check state records to determine whether gun buyers between the ages of 18 and 21 have juvenile criminal records disqualifying them from owning a gun. And end quote there. And I think that's 
legitimately all right. I think this is an expansion of the background checks that makes sense to me. This concept that, well, they did something at 16, so we can't tell you about it. No, I mean, if we're going to start treating children as adults, you need to start treating children as adults sooner. And if somebody, the day they turn 18, if they have a huge juvie record that shows maybe they have some mental problems, that shows maybe they have a violence issue, that shows maybe they have a propensity for a criminal record, then I think that's okay to know when you're doing your background check. I don't understand this concept of, well, we have to hide the information. No, I don't think that's necessarily true. When somebody turns 18 and wants to buy a gun, I think their juvenile record should be a part of that at least for a few years. I mean, maybe once you hit 21 or 25, then they no longer go back to your juvenile record because you can make the case that you were a kid and you were dumb and that shouldn't follow you the rest of your life. But if you're trying to buy a gun at 18, you're still a kid. So I don't have a problem with that part. And this is where I don't like when things are totally pulled off that well, you're either with us or you're against us. It's like, no, there is some reasonable things that can be done to try to make the citizens of this country a little bit safer. You're never going to get guns off the streets. Not going to happen. And an 18 year old, if he really wants to go shoot up a school or she, I mean, I don't want to say that women can never go shoot up a school, although maybe I should say menstruating person like Jennifer Whitmer, or we'll talk about that in a minute. Gretchen Whitmer, whatever. Sorry to all Jennifer's out there. I did not mean to besmirch your fine first name by uh, giving it to the governor of Michigan. But I think there are some common sense things that could be done. The Hill goes on with, quote, it would also expand the use of the burn JAG law enforcement grants to help states implement crisis intervention court programs. States could use the money to administer red flag laws to take guns away from people convicted of a crime or adjudicated mentally unstable. You know, end quote. I also think that's somewhat reasonable that if somebody has been uh, brought out by a court by a medical professional is criminally insane and mentally unstable, you probably don't want them buying a gun. I mean, the problem is they're still going to be able to get that on the street if they want one. So I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make. It continues, quote, it would provide billions of dollars to expand a community mental health service pilot program. It would expand access to mental health services through Medicaid and allow up to 10 new states to opt into the program every two years, end quote. And I have no problem with funding mental health services that can hopefully help people that have issues. This I don't see as a huge problem as well. Quote, it would clarify the definition of a gun dealer by requiring individuals who buy and sell many firearms to earn profits, register as federal firearms licenses and conduct background checks for those transactions. End quote. One, again, I don't have a problem with this. If you're selling multiple guns and you're making money as that is your job, that's what your business is then yeah, you probably should be required to do background checks like other gun shops. Don't have a problem with that, but I also don't think this is a big problem. 
I'm betting this is like under 1% of all the firearms that make it into the pipeline would fall into this. So I don't really know, again, what this is going to do. Uh, Also, this bill, quote, would close the so-called boyfriend loophole by suspending the rights of someone to own a gun if he or she has been convicted of a misdemeanor domestic violence offense against an intimate or romantic partner. I like that we have to really uh, start changing the verbiage and all this because they're afraid to not be woke. People who lose their gun rights could have them restored after a period of five years subsequent to the end of their criminal sentence, end quote. So this one, you're having your right suspended to own a gun if you've been convicted of a misdemeanor domestic violence offense. This one, uh, you can argue both sides that, uh, you know, if you're a felon, you can't legally own a firearm. This isn't a felony domestic violence offense. This is any domestic violence offense. But I mean, at least it's saying you have to be convicted. This one could be a slippery slope. And I think people should be concerned about because it's a he said, she said kind of a thing. If you paid any attention to the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial, you know, things can go really bad really fast. But it's something definitely that uh, I think needs a little bit better detail on what kinds of things would qualify you for this and what wouldn't. And lastly, quote, it would provide 300 million over five years for school safety programs, including school resource officers and the hardening of school buildings, end quote. Now, I don't know exactly what they mean by the hardening of school buildings. I'm assuming that means fortifying them so people on the outside can't easily get in. And that would make sense, as well as having some resource officers on site at schools that can protect the children. That would seem to make sense to me. So this bill, to me, while not great, I don't think it's really going to make a difference, except it's going to say, hey, we were able to pass a gun bill. This is great. I really don't mind the upping the background checks on 18 to 21 year olds to include juvenile records. I think that makes sense. Maybe you don't think so. And let me know why Darren at randomthoughts.com. But I think that makes sense. And I don't mind putting some money into programs that can help people from a mental health aspect. Mental health is a huge issue in this country. Far too many people just throw drugs at kids and they're the ones that quite often become the shooter. So, I mean, maybe paying a little bit more attention to mental health to figuring out what is wrong with the youth of America rather than just throwing them on some drugs that's going to make them go out and become a mass shooter. I don't have a problem with that. So as it sits, I don't see anything in here that is extremely concerning. I mean, the NRA, of course, against it, everybody, you know, that's great. But they're not going after your guns. They're not saying you can't own guns. They're not saying you can't own pistols. They're not saying you can't own AR-15s. Because as we talked about in one of those previous episodes, again, these are things that if you're a law-abiding citizen, you should be able to own them. Now, once you use them to commit a crime, you need to be punished in order 
to keep this system working. In order to keep a nation of law and order moving in the right direction, you actually need to punish the people if they commit a crime. And if they commit a crime with a gun, then you need to put them away. And if they commit a crime with a gun, they probably should never be allowed to own a gun again. That just makes sense. But we have such knee-jerk reactions in this country, and I'm sure other places, that you think you can magically wave a wand and make things better. Not the truth. Not accurate at all. The school in Uvalde, Texas, which the more information that comes out about this, the more just incensed you should be that police on the ground saying, well, we should have been able to take care of this within about three minutes. We had access. The door was not locked. They were waiting for a key to open a door that wasn't actually locked. And the officers that were there within three minutes had body armor on. They had guns. They were ready. And no, they weren't allowed to go in by whoever was running the show. I don't know. At that point, I guess if you're a cop and you're out there and your boss is a moron, then you have to disobey orders to go save the kids. This is what happens when you have bureaucrats in the uh, day-to-day goings-on. Richard Marchinko, God rest his soul, the rogue warrior, talked about this in a lot of his books, leading from the front and all of the politicians, all of the guys that sit behind desks are the ones that have no idea how to actually go out and get the job done. If you put them in the field when the middle of a situation like this They get scared, they freeze, and that is not what you want. But this school in Uvalde, and I know they did this in Sandy Hook, but the school's going to be demolished. The building itself is going to be demolished because, oh, we could never ask children or teachers to go back into that building. And I'm not really sure why. I mean, again, I get why. I mean, I'm not completely ignorant of what their reasoning is, but it's a building. One school building is not going to look a whole lot different than a different school building. Is knocking that school down and putting another school in its place, the building is going to look pretty similar. I mean, it's not going to be the same one, but it's going to be in the same place. It's going to look really similar. Is it really different? And isn't this, again, the case of forgetting history? Why can't you just leave the building there and understand the history that it has and use it as a reminder? I mean, I guess, again, maybe that's mean to the kids, they would say, but do kids really going into a different classroom? Do you feel safe if your kid was in the shooting? Does going back to the same school or going back to a different school put up on the same ground really make a difference? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's like, oh, no, we can't have that. We have to wipe away that memory. And it's like, no, I don't know if you want to wipe away that memory. I think it's good to remember some of these things. And this goes back to all the stuff. Ah, We got to get rid of all of those statues of those really bad Confederate generals. No, maybe you could learn something. Maybe you can actually learn something from history that can help the concept that we can just get rid of it all and make it all go away is just not rational. It doesn't do anybody any good, but maybe I'm wrong here too. If you think that there's a good reason to knock that school down, let me know. But on to the Gretchen Whitmer quote that is getting all sorts of play. And I'll just read it to you. Quote, I have the constitutional ability to bring a lawsuit to protect constitutional rights of people of Michigan. 
So I brought a lawsuit on behalf of all the menstruating people in Michigan, 2.2 million. And another tool I have is to go straight to our state Supreme Court, end quote. So it is the use of the term menstruating people that caught everybody because it is a very strange way to say what she is saying. And maybe this is just another attack on the fact that the left doesn't seem to be able to be able to decide what a man and a woman is at this point. They're going out of their way to be woke and they want to be inclusionary. But I think she could have just said, I brought a lawsuit on behalf of all of the men. I mean, menstruating people, I guess, is okay. I mean, do you have to say menstruating women? I mean, guys out there listening, raise your hand right now. Raise it high if you've ever menstruated. No, I don't think anybody has if you're a guy. So saying menstruating people, the option here would have been to say menstruating women, but men don't menstruate. And I understand what she's talking about, maybe giving the benefit of the doubt when you're dealing with Roe versus Wade, when you're dealing with abortion, the only people that are really interested, well, not interested in it, but the people that are affected by it would be people that could actually have and carry a baby. Well, those would be the main. I mean, the fathers should still have some rights, but I understand saying that this is mainly affecting women of menstruating age and saying menstruating people says kind of the same thing. So as much as I dislike Governor Whitmer, as much as I think she is an evil person, the fact that this is one of the top stories kind of bugs me because I don't think what moron politicians say in their woke ways and how they're using language should really make the top of the list here as far as things going wrong in the country. I mean, I think it's stupid to intentionally not try to say the word women because you're like, oh, no, men could be pregnant too. No, they can't. No, they can't. Not without a lot of medical intervention. No guy that I know has ever accidentally become pregnant or have never tried to become pregnant. No guy I've ever known. I mean, if somebody can just prove that science, feel free again, reach out and let me know. But I think we want to look at the more important things about what's going on with the United States of America. And I think unwed mothers is a problem. It is a sign of the breakdown of the normal family unit. And I saw this stat with this Gretchen Whitmer quote, unwed mothers in the United States at this point, 33% of children born in America are to unwed mothers. Breaking this down into the demographics, I mean, you may say is racist. I'm saying it's just giving statistics and seeing what is going on with the American family and people bringing children into the world without maybe being ready. 10.5% of Asian mothers unwed. 26.8% of white mothers unwed. 40.2% of Hispanic new mothers unwed. And 61.8 black mothers unwed in the United States 
And I think that's something you want to look at when you look at crime, when you look at children that do not have the discipline and the mental health that they need to survive. A lot of that comes from the breakdown of the family unit. And Hillary Clinton lied to y'all when she said it takes a village. No, it takes a strong set of parents. And I don't really even care if you have two moms or two dads. A stable family life, way more important than anything else on getting you on your way as a child rather than lacking in that department. I mean, I don't think you can really make the argument against the fact that the breakdown of the family unit has had some drastic effects. A lot of these things we're seeing, including the mass shootings, guns were around 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, but the crime rate, the mass shootings, they weren't at the level that they are today. So you ask yourself why that is, what has changed. And that is a big part of it. The breakdown of the family unit and the little spy devices, the phones and tablets, the nonstop connectivity, social media, all of these things, I believe, having a negative effect. And just like guns on the streets, you're never going to get rid of social networks. You're never going to get rid of social media. But that's why it's important to know the effects they're having on you and your children. And that gives you the ability to then try to mitigate that, try to keep your children off social media as much as possible. And if they're going to be using it, make sure that you're engaged with them. Make sure you let them know that they have self-worth and not to listen to people on the Internet because the Internet's full of bullies and people that hide behind anonymity to say all sorts of things. And it's important to at least have that conversation. And which is why it's one of the reasons that I push it here so much, because it really is something that is now a part of everybody's day. And I think it is rarely talked about from parents to their kids on really what you need to be aware of on the internet. But today on the internet, number one story on Drudge. This is a scary one, really. Polio in the UK. Yeah, polio, you know, that disease that was allegedly uh, stamped out quite a while ago that uh, it's showing up in the wastewater in the UK. And they believe because this is kind of a uh, a fear mongering headline because it's not being reported by anybody yet in the UK, but they're seeing it in the wastewater, which means they believe maybe a Migrant came in with it and before they were vaccinated upon coming in. But I thought this was interesting that polio is uh, still out there. It's still a thing. It is being uh, spread in the United Kingdom sewers. At least it's showing up. And I'm not really sure how I feel about this concept, which I know it's going on here in the United States as well, that they monitor the wastewater for all sorts of different things. It's one of the ways they were tracking COVID and which variant was going on. It's the same thing with other diseases. They find stuff in what's in the sewer and they sample it and they try to figure out what's going on. So the fact that polio showing up in the sewers of the UK should be concerning. But I mean, I want you just to rest easy because here are the symptoms you want to look for in polio. 
sore throat, fever, tiredness, nausea, headache, and stomach pain. It sounds a lot like COVID, doesn't it? I mean, even the stomach pain, because COVID often starts with gastric distress. All of these symptoms can also be uh, put onto so many other different diseases. So uh, you want to be careful out there. You never know. You have a headache. You might have polio. Just if you're in the UK, I mean, you're probably really paranoid right now. Sore throat, fever, tired, headache. Well, that could be. It could be COVID or it could be polio. I mean, you're hoping for COVID at this point. No question about it. Here on the Random Thoughts podcast, we try to get you all the information that you need and maybe some you don't just to make your life better. And we hope you enjoy the shows that you've heard. And this is a value for value podcast, which means we put the shows out there. They're not behind a paywall. If you have any value that you've gotten from this show, it's up to you to turn that into a value and get that number back to us if you can. I mean, I know Uncle Joe has done a number on this country and it's hard right now, but any little support helps any amount. Keep this show going. Keep the microphones humming and all of that. It's always appreciated when people come in and support the show financially. Today, we have two people to thank. First and foremost, coming in with $25 via check. Anonymous, but she knows who she is. The note, always interesting, which is, it's just a mistake. I mean, I'm not trying to always be interesting, but somehow it just happens. I don't know. (laughs) My wife might disagree that I'm always interesting, but she has to listen to the show 24-7. So to be fair, you get it in a much smaller dose. So it makes it much more interesting, I would suppose. And coming in at $15 with his monthly donation, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley. All very much appreciated. As is giving me your time to listen to these shows, I really do hope you get something out of them. Feel free to reach out. Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L over on Twitter. I guess that's okay now that Elon's taken over to start uh, using Twitter a little bit more or Darren O'Neill at noagendasocial.com if you're on Mastodon, or if you want to go the email route, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at randomthoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com. Let us know. I hope everybody's good. Avoiding polio, avoiding COVID, avoiding the high gas prices, avoiding the 100-degree heat that we had here in Chirac yesterday. I'm telling you, adding the portable air conditioner upstairs made a huge difference. And uh, as long as the main unit holds out just a little bit more, I'll be happy. With all that said, I hope you have a great week. I will be back next week on Wednesday or so to do another one of these Random Thoughts podcasts. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 